0: Hi, welcome to the UMMC Bible Study Podcast, a podcast produced with students at UMMC. My name is Tim Chen, and I'm a former graduate of the UMC Medical School. Currently, I'm a family physician practicing in Mississippi. The goal of our podcast is to help our students and their families grow closer with the Lord and stronger in their faith and walk with God. With the rigors of school, it can be difficult to spend time with the Lord as well as fellowship with other believers. We hope that this podcast uplifts you during this challenging time and encourages you in your journey with God. Today, I'm joined again by two wonderful guests. Everyone who knows Christian, our UMMC Microbiology PhD student. In addition, today I'm joined with Weston Eldridge, a fourth-year medical student who is planning on practicing family medicine. He's been a part of our Bible study since M1 year. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Before we get into today's verses, I want to set the stage because I feel like we're making a turn. If you haven't heard the other podcasts yet, I would recommend going through them in order to get the full picture. After the fall of man in the garden, we see that God always has kept a remnant for himself. While the majority of mankind continue to become independent from God, there was a small line of people that continued to depend on God. This included Seth and Enosh, who, realizing they are frail mortal men, started calling on the name of the Lord. Then you have Enoch, who walked with God, and this brings us to Noah. You could say that Noah was the benefactor of all those who came before him. He learned not just to call on God, but to walk with God and even depend on God. In fact, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But what if I told you that while this is amazing and wonderful, Noah was still missing something? Or rather, God was missing something. Without further ado, let's get into the verses today. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 6, verse 11 through 22. I encourage everyone to read the whole portion. But we will just highlight some of these verses, and we'll start in 11. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become, for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So make yourself an ark. And now verse 22, Noah did everything just as God commanded him. Now Christian, let's start here, and I'm just going to give you the floor.
1: So Noah, we've talked about before, he was a man in the line of life. He inherited the godly practices from his forefathers, calling on the name of the Lord, walking with God. And and we even saw that he was one who found grace found grace in the eyes of Jehovah. Noah was in the middle of a really bad situation, though. The earth had become corrupt. It says that men did whatever their heart wanted. And as a result, God had to do something about that to be able to continue what he wanted to do on the earth.
0: Christian, I think you brought a really good point. Noah was in a perilous time. The whole world was completely against God. In verse 11, it says that the earth was corrupt in God's sight and full of violence. And in fact, Noah was literally the only one that was staying on God's, uh, how, how shall we say this, line of life. However, I love asking this question. What about God? Noah could have been very satisfied with where he was at. You could have said, hey, the world is crazy, but I'm okay. I'm walking with God. I found grace in God's sight. My family is walking with God. I'm good. But what about God? I think we see two very important principles here. One is God wants to do something on the earth that is bigger than just our spirituality. And number two, in order to do this, God needs our cooperation. He won't do it on his own. He needs man to cooperate. But how does God do this? How did God cause man to build a giant boat in an age where it has never rained? He gives man a vision. Christian, can you elaborate on this?
1: I can think of one verse in Proverbs about vision. Proverbs 29:18, Where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint. So how did Noah continue to build this ark? He had a vision, he had a revelation from God on building that, and it sustained him. And we can see this in the New Testament apostles also, especially in the Apostle Paul.
0: I like how you explained it, Christian, and I think we're on the same page. While walking with God surely sustained Noah to overcome that crooked age. The vision he received from God gave him a direction to walk toward. And I want to emphasize a couple of things here. Like you said in Proverbs, if in our Christian life we don't have a vision concerning what God is doing on this earth today, or we don't have a direction to go in, it'll be easy for us to veer off. It'll be easy for us to get distracted and want to quit. I just think of what Noah had to go through, the ridicule. You know, if you think about it, his friends asking him, what in the world are you doing? Why are you wasting your life on that? Or what about the kids? Can you imagine at school, or I guess if they go to school, their friends saying things like, my dad says, your dad is crazy. Can you imagine the hurt, the persecution? But what sustained Noah was the vision he received from God. While the flood definitely affected him and his family, it goes beyond them. This was what God was doing on the earth. And Noah, through the vision he received, was able to cooperate with God to accomplish that vision. I think Paul's example is a lot like Noah's example, maybe a little bit more, quote-unquote, modern-day version. Before I read this section in Acts 26, let me give a little background. Paul had been an up-and-comer in the Pharisee realm. He was serving God by persecuting Christians, but something made him do a complete 180. And here in Acts 26, King Agrippa wanted to know what that was. I'll go ahead and read this section. Acts 26, verse 13. At midday, O king, I saw on the way a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining all around me, and those who were journeying with me. And when we all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew dialect, Saul, Saul. Why are you persecuting me? 15. And I said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. And here, verse 19. So, King Agrippa, I did not prove disobedient to the heavenly vision. So, Christian, here we see the matter of vision again. Can you explain this sequence of events for us?
1: So, Paul had such a dramatic experience Of first encounter with the Lord he was on the road to Damascus actually to persecute Christians believers people who called on the name of the Lord and a bright light appeared to him and knocked him from his horse and a voice says to him Saul why are you persecuting me and Saul at the time Saul he had the sense to recognize this was something divine happening to him and he says who are you lord and then the lord responds to him i am jesus whom you persecute this vision directed the rest of paul's ministry the rest of his life because he wasn't persecuting jesus actually who was crucified years ago so how could paul how could saul be persecuting a dead man He had to reconcile how he was persecuting the Lord Jesus when he was actually persecuting believers. Later on, what came out of this was his ministry on the body of Christ.
0: Whoa, Christian, you're going to blow some minds with words like that. That is unbelievable. You know, when you start thinking about Paul's background, Paul, if you read in his ministry in the epistles, He was the perfect Pharisee. He was trained to be a Pharisee his entire life. And even in the beginning when he was Saul, he thought he was serving God. Killing Christians, killing the heretics, building up Judaism was his sole purpose because he thought this is what a good Pharisee does. And he felt like he was serving God. But God's vision overtook his concept. And, like you said, Christian, I appreciated bringing this point out. He realized the body of Christ in that vision. He realized, I'm not persecuting you, Lord. You're already gone. So, why are you telling me that I am persecuting you? And we're able to see in future epistles the matter of the body of Christ, the matter of the church. All these matters all stem from that one single vision that he received from God, and not only is this vision affecting his ministry, this vision sustained him to undergo ridiculous persecution. I'm sure from family and friends, Christian. You think about it. His friends who are in Jewish school with him. I don't know. I don't, I'm just making. I'm being creative here. Saul, hey buddy, we went to school together. You were top of our class. What are you doing? Why are you throwing all this away? Christian, how could Paul and Noah persevere through all that persecution that they received in that time?
1: They had a revelation, they had a vision, and that's that's what sustained them. And it was a vision, a revelation from God.
0: You know, after hearing something like this, I feel like it stirs something up within. It makes me want to get that vision, Christian and Weston. How do we receive this vision like Noah did, like Paul did, that gets us out of what's important to us? It gets us out of this me, me, me generation. That causes us to consider what about God? What does God want? What is He doing? And how can I give Him my fullest cooperation?
1: Today we get a revelation, a vision of what God is doing today through his word. It's already written down. And that's what directs our service to the Lord. Like you mentioned, Saul originally was serving according to his concept, what he thought was good for serving God. But then God had to come in in a really dramatic way to show him what was really he was trying to do. And that vision is what... Sustain him through his ministry.
2: Yeah, Paul says in Second Corinthians four that we fix our eyes not on the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. Or the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen. Those are eternal. Mm-hmm. Everything here is passing away, and we see that emphasis of, of on Paul on the things that matter. And that's that eternal perspective.
0: Wow, guys, I really appreciate your fellowship. You know, I want to sum up what you guys have said. This vision is completely related to what God wants to do. It's not a vision about Paul's five-year plan or Noah's retirement plan. It's bigger than that. This vision comes from an eternal view. It's founded in the Word. Paul wrote it down for us, but we need God's light and mercy to see it. We need one another to fellowship and to get clear what God's great administration is doing on the earth today. Now, I'm not telling everyone to drop what you're doing and go be a missionary in a third world country. Your schooling is important. Your children, your family, your career, these things are important. You want to do a good job in them. As a Christian, it's a good testimony to be a good student, a good physician, a good parent. But all these things need to be directed by what God is doing on the earth today. The vision needs to permeate everything that we do.
2: I remember, I've talked about this before in the past, and it's just such a helpful reminder. In the moment when we make a decision to do whatever during the day, a lot of that's just that bent that we have is built up on what we're feeding our souls, basically. And you have the balance, and you have those two, two weights on each side. And I think that's a nice little way to think about it. And if you're feeding everything God's Word and you're meditating on it, and you're delighting in God, you're, you're thinking about those wonderful things that's so emphasized, and you're faced with those decisions. What type of decisions are you going to be making? Right. Decisions that are pleasing to God, that are according to His will, His word, trying to keep in step with the Spirit. And I think that's a, a helpful thing to remember.
0: Yes, Weston, I appreciate this word. We are feeding on God's word to get the vision. Amazing time, guys. Well, thanks again for joining the podcast, Christian, and special thanks to Weston for joining. I would like to conclude this podcast a little different today because I feel like we're getting real deep now. I enjoy fellowshipping about all the positive things the Lord has shown us. I enjoy learning to call on God, to depend on Him, to walk with Him, to find grace in His eyes. These things are the foundational practices of our Christian life. However, sometimes the Lord comes in with a convicting word like today's podcast. And I'm just reminded in John chapter 6 when the Lord spoke this word concerning him being the bread of life. You know, it was a hard word. And many left him after that time. And the Lord even asked the disciples, what about you? Are you going to leave too? And I appreciated Peter's response in John six sixty eight. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. I feel like the Lord is saying the same thing as he did to Noah. I'm glad you're satisfied with me. I'm glad you're walking with me and depending on me. But what about what I want? What about what I'm doing on this earth? Are you willing to join me? Are you willing to have a clear vision from me as revealed in my word? Are you willing to let this vision permeate your entire life? I'm glad we got into this together. I guess we should get into what actually the vision is in the next podcast. Thanks for joining me today, Weston and Christian.
3: Draw me, dear Lord.